Bobcat Nation. What is going on? You are listening to the Woke Giants at Quinnipiac University, and this is episode two. I'm Nicole McIsaac, and here with my co-host Skylar Haynes to bring you yet another amazing Bobcat and their unique story. Sky, I have been anxiously awaiting to be back here in the studio today. How are you doing? How are you feeling about being back here for today's episode? Well, I am so excited, Nicole. We have had such great feedback from our last episode. Uh, yes, and I'm we just have. so excited to bring another interview, another conversation, and we have been waiting for this one for a long time. So let's get the show on the road and introduce our guest for today. You may know him as the man behind the camera, capturing all angles of our beautiful university. In the sun, in the rain, in the snow, you name it, and this Bobcat is out here grinding and fulfilling his passion. So without further ado, I would love to welcome Daniel Passapera. Dan, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing really good. So first off, tell us a little bit more about yourself as a student and how you found your way here at Quinnipiac. Uh, I'm a sophomore journalism major from Cheshire, Connecticut. So it's 15 minutes, 10 10 minutes down Route 10. Um, So in my hunt for schools, you know, I I wanted to stay in state. You know, I consider Mm -hmm. Connecticut my home, Mm -hmm. you know, despite... People saying it's small, there's not much to do. I don't know. I just fell in love with the state. You know, I knew I wanted to do photojournalism. Um, I knew I wanted to tell stories through photos and, you know, pair that up with words. So I knew Quinnipiac had the facilities. I knew they had the teachers. And, you know, uh, outside of the campus aesthetics, which I also fell in love with, I just feel like I had the opportunity to grow here more than other schools. So, Dan, let's take it all the way back. Tell me about some of your first memories holding a camera. Oh, man, my... uh. My first memories holding a camera was honestly just my phone. Yeah, my my first flip phone had a little <laughs> camera on it. <laughs> um, you know, I always found myself taking pictures of flowers and everything. You know, my mom and my grandmother they you know they love flowers. I always love showing them pictures that I take. You know, they were my they were my hype people back then. Yes. Um, and you know, this is something that I was really interested in. So I was like, let's take it up a notch. I got my legit camera. It's like a little handheld one. Um, that served me good for a couple years. Eventually, I moved up in the world to DSLR to now, where I have my Sony A7 II. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it all started with the phone. So when did you when did you realize right that this was more of a career than just a hobby? I knew going into high school, I wanted to be a photographer. I knew that was my passion. It wasn't until about junior year I knew I wanted to be a photojournalist. I had taken some photography classes in high school. I got some critiques, mm-hmm. um, and you know that was really good for me. I needed some critiques at the time. I needed to know how to improve. It was really that point in time where I wanted to mash my artistic abilities with writing, because you know I, I think there's a lot of stories to be told out there. So along this journey of deciding that you wanted to make this a career, you wanted to wake up every day and take photos. I mean, what have been some of the biggest moments and things you've done to continue pushing yourself? I always make sure I surround myself with, you know, the things that I like. My Instagram feed and all my feeds on social media are all centered around creatives. Mm. Um, I better myself by watching a lot of YouTube. That's how I taught myself photography is through YouTube. Um, You know, asking mentors. Um, My uncle is very big on photography. You can do so much stuff outside and with your own mind and just be as creative as you want. You know what it's like when you listen to music and you feel like you're the main character? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I I feel like when I have the camera in my hand. I'm kind of just like in my own, I don't know, all my worries and all the anxiety just goes away when I hold the camera in my hands. And I think there's just something like so surreal and just so insane that you can capture what you're seeing, but you can also control the scene at the same time. So you Mm -hmm. can get as artistic as you want. 
Um, or you can just do, you know, the basics and just show the scene. You know, it also helps that you can see things that not normally other people will see. Like, you know, we often stargaze at the sky. We often look at the clouds. You know, some of these cameras are really powerful, and you can even get, like, you know, the entire stars at night, and I uh-huh. really think that's just super unique. You know, it's quite obvious that you have this passion for photography embedded deep within yourself, and I think I can speak for both Skylar and I and the rest of the Quinnipiac community when I say it's it's very inspiring. Absolutely. You know, especially reflecting on the events and the moments in time that you capture through your photos, such as the essential worker. Yes. So can we talk a little bit more about this project? Describe to us what it is, how the idea came to you. So a little bit backstory. My mom was a former dispatcher for the Hanley Police Department, and I know mm-hmm. that's not a typical role that a lot of people think of. They think about the first responders, obviously, the police, the firemen, mm-hmm. EMTs, etc. But no one really thinks about that person, you know, behind the phone that's taking your call. So, you know, I kind of figured there was just a really loose definition at the time. This was during the pandemic, um, during the beginning of the pandemic, of what an essential worker actually was. I had looked through the list, and it's not a, not typically the people we think of even prior to the pandemic, We, mm-hmm. you know. We kind of just walk through grocery stores and not even think about the people who are behind the cash register. Um, when we go inside of a gas station, we don't really think of the gas, um, you know, the gas attendants. We kind of just go on our way, you know, right, it's usually right, a quick trip. Right. Um, so I had utilized um, local Facebook forums. I'd ask people, I'm like, you know, if your job is considered essential or if you think it's an essential job, um, reach out to me. If you guys think you are underappreciated in the community, mm. um, if you guys think you have a story to tell, just let me know and we'll connect. And I think that really helped me get in touch with my community more. And I was really able to highlight the members of the community who felt like they were underappreciated at that time. Yeah, and so when you spoke to these people and showed up with your camera and said, I'm gonna recognize you, I'm gonna recognize your work and putting yourself in harm's way um, during this pandemic, what did those conversations sound like? And do you remember anything that anyone said that really sticks with you? There was one meat worker. I forget which town it was. It was like in the middle of Connecticut. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of crazy during this time. There was just a lot of panic shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could barely get toilet paper right. at the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you wanted steak or chicken or eggs or milk or bread, and it was just all gone by the time you got to the store. So, um, you know, I had actually talked to this um you know, this meat packaging worker at a local stop and shop. And I actually talked to his wife and she's like, you know, he used to work 10 hour shifts, which, you know, it's a lot, but now he's working 15 hour shifts. And the only time that she sees her husband is, you know, when he gets home to go to sleep and then he's up in the next morning and working again. And, you know, I just felt that that was really crazy. But, you know, despite the hazard pay at the time Mm -hmm. and, you know, despite the workload, um, you know, the husband was still working at it. He was still grinding it out, knowing that he needed to support his family. And at the same time, he was helping people in his community, trying to keep up with the demand. And so as the person trying to tell a story like that through a photograph, I mean, what goes through your mind? How do you even begin? Since they're in their own environment, and if they're not used to the camera, you have to break the ice, of mm-hmm. course. You know, this, these conversations are really important to getting comfortable with your subject. And then, you know, they're more relaxed in their environment. And um, you know, I had asked him permission if I could take uh, a picture of him while he was um, doing meat work, and he said, yeah, of course, and y- you can tell he was in his element, you know, when, yeah. you know, when you're taking class photos and your shoulders yeah. are up to your head <laughs> and you're so uncomfortable, 
Um, no, you know, he was super relaxed. And I think that's the great thing about, you know, the powerful thing about conversations beforehand is you just, you can get comfortable with your subjects. What has the feedback been like after you did this shoot? And did you expect that so many people would be so into the work that you produced? Oh, man, it, it was crazy. I did not realize the amount of reach that I could have on the community. Mm -hmm. It uh -huh. was, I think it was like... 2K or 3,000 people oh, wow. who had read the article within a few days, and I was almost fainted. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was absolutely absolutely crazy. The community feedback was incredible, and I think that just motivated me to continue to do more 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 work like this in the future. I personally speaking during the beginning of the pandemic, and I think Sky, we actually had this conversation a couple months back, but I was just scrolling on my feed and your work just popped up on my phone. And I remember just being taken back by the, the power that those photos had. And, mm. you know, did you have any conversations like that with maybe professors of the community, deans? Did, did any mentors reach out to you in that sense and talk to you about this project? My mentor and professor was Seema Maad, you know, mm -hmm. helped me out in this situation. And Margarita Diaz also helped me edit it. So shout out to them. I don't I don't think without them I wouldn't have been able to put out the work that I was able to. Like I said, I didn't realize how much it would spread throughout the community, even here in the Quinnipiac community as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think we're all fans of your work, even if we don't know it, because you are one of the photographers for Quinnipiac's marketing team. So tell us a little bit about what a day looks like when you're shooting for Quinnipiac. Generally, there's um, events and just regular campus scenes that I go out and shoot. Uh, thankfully, we're blessed with wonderful campus aesthetics, so mm -hmm. there's never a dull moment um, in winter, so fall, spring, any season. Um, there's just never a dull moment. But, you know, usually um, I do smaller events like SPV events or um, some BSU events, just any pop-up events that happen around campus. And... Um, you know, even with those little, little events, I'm able to talk to students, get their experiences, um, especially now it's a little harder in, in the pandemic, but, you know, there's people actively on campus seeking opportunities to mm -hmm. connect and have fun with uh, other students. This might be a little bit of a hard question to ask, but out of all the photos that you've taken for, for Quinnipiac, what has to be that favorite photograph that you've taken so far? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> I put you on the spot Worst right there. He's sweating. Oh, man. You know, I think I definitely have improved, especially with this job over time, that I'm getting, you know, happier with the pictures that I'm taking lately. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and compared to the first pictures that I've done, um, it's 10 times better. I think most recently, uh, my favorite photo would probably be the picture that I took of the clock tower. Um, it was a star trail at night. So uh, basically what a star trail is is, you capture the Earth's movement um, of the stars, so mm -hmm. it, you know it goes in a circular motion. Mm -hmm. um, but that that shot took a lot of planning, and mm -hmm. the, you know, <laughs> um, you know, a, a bunch of trial and error. Um, I even had to get um, facilities in on it because um, you know some technical stuff. But the light of the clock tower was just too overpowering for the picture. You know, blah blah mm -hmm. blah, kind of nerdy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, just the payoff on this picture, it was just amazing. And I think one of my goals as a university photographer, um, the clock tower is one of the most commonly um, yes. you know, pictured place on campus. So my goal is to try to just get as many different perspectives as, it, as possible. Mm -hmm. And you know, we haven't really had much night pictures. And you know, like I said before, um, especially when I was a little kid, I just always felt myself you know, looking up at the stars and everything. And, 
I was like, I wonder what that would look like on campus. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of my favorite uh, photos, especially as of recently. That's yeah, awesome. and you're right. The clock tower gets lots of love, but <laughs> you're running around Quinnipiac taking photos of every nook and cranny. What is one of the most unique, underappreciated spots on campus that you just always love to photograph? Definitely the CC pond. Uh, it's definitely underrated, especially when I go to my classes. You know, outside of it being just photogenic, um, it's just really calming. Yeah. You know, it's one of those places on campus where you have to stop and just look for a second, and it kind of takes you away for a little bit. And, you know, we got the campus squirrels and the campus geese <laughs> and, you know, all that. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool little unique spot. Um, you know, generally I like to take the approach that I do in journalism to marketing is that I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to enhance or change the photo at all. Um, you know, I think that definitely takes away from what people are seeing and viewing the um, campus as. So, um, you know, I approach that in, in a sense the same way. So I want to keep it as raw and as clear to the vision that I saw as possible. Yeah, and you'll say you had a student who looks up to you because there's definitely a lot there of students here at Quinnipiac are. that look up to you. What kind of advice would you say to them? Mm. I mean, I think it's definitely important just to get out there with your camera and be as creative as you want. Um, you know, the cliche goes, this practice makes perfect, but that's really true. You got to get used to your surroundings. You got to get yeah. used to the tool that you're actually using. And, mm. um, you know, I'll, I'll always encourage students to reach out to me. You can always email me, email me at my school email. You can reach out to me on Instagram at dampast 19 I'll be happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, you know, I love supporting future creatives, and I think... Quinnipiac can definitely benefit from having a lot of creatives on campus. I think a lot of people don't realize how much planning goes into these shoots and you're talking about the planning and the vision and the different things that have to come into play with technicalities and also the creative direction of it. But after all that's said and done and you're in the moment and you're taking photographs at an event or at a shoot that you planned up at the clock tower with the stars, when you go to press that button Is it just a moment or is there a feeling or a thought that pops into your head that you can put words to? What is that moment like when you go to press the button and capture that? Oh, no, it's definitely like a really surreal feeling. And sometimes I get, you know, I get a little nervous because, you know, it's all about, like, as I said, planning, but also adjusting your settings. So, Mm. you know, if I mess something up, you know, of course, I'll be super bummed. But when I when I was able to get that shot and edit it afterwards, you know, I, I like jumped up and down like a little girl like, <laughs> like a little kid I, like, I got so excited um, it was crazy it was absolutely crazy yeah and Dan how many shots on average do you think that yes. you take when you go about to do a shoot because you don't just take like one picture I just have to ask on average how many do you take at a time um it really really depends on the situation so uh last year during the summer I had shot a few protests I would say I probably got upwards to maybe like 400, 500 shots per protest. You know, I I was going around talking to different people um, and making sure I was able to get their voices heard, you know, as well as the whole scope of the situation that was happening. Um, Usually for events that are for school, they last around an hour. I would probably say like maybe 200, 150 Mm. photos, something like that. Mm. Um, Generally for something like the stars, it takes a, a little bit longer per each shot. So I think... Um, the final image was about like 70 shots that were combined. Um, and that was like over the course of like four hours. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, you know, it kind of sucked. It was really cold that day. Um, <laughs> so I was freezing, but it was totally worth it uh, afterwards. Yeah. So people should realize that when they see your photos on Instagram, yeah. a lot went into that The dedication photo in that is moment. real. <laughs> Absolutely. So as you're capturing moments in history here at Quinnipiac and beyond, I mean, everyone's talking about QU culture. 
um, which is also a way you're highlighting Quinnipiac through your photography, but instead showing some love to people on campus who often do go unseen. Can you tell us about this initiative and how you first got involved? Yeah, so uh, I had saw it on Instagram and, um, you know, I was super, super interested. So I reached out and Amber had got back to me. Um, you know, she was interested in having a photographer on board and somebody who can help with the website committee. And, um, you know, shout out to Amber and Helen. They really took me in. Mm -hmm. um, really supportive of creative ideas and, you know, trying to get that awareness around campus. Um, I recommend following QU.culture on Instagram. Uh, we're going to be posting a lot more soon, and our website comes out next month, Ooh, so stay tuned. But yeah, we have a lot of exciting stuff, you know, coming to campus. And I'm also assisting Esau with uh, a culture magazine that is also through MSLC, and uh, QU Culture is joining him, and we'll distribute that as well, and I think that is also in April. So there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, exciting stuff. Coming Amazing. through the student body, so uh, stay Huge tuned. Huge change makers. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, working, like you just said, with QU Culture, and helping Esau out. A question that comes to mind is how does photography give a unique opportunity to recognize, you know, these diverse students on campus in a way that no other medium really does? Um, I think pictures really bring you, you know, into the subject's shoes, but they also just show mm -hmm. you who's on campus because I'm not going to, you know, hide from the fact that this area is mostly white. But there is just so much, um, so much culture, so much color, so much different ideas, mm -hmm. opinions, and people on this campus that you can show through visuals, and I think that's great. And having their story be told and being able to see that face on campus and bring them to light is just, is just awesome. I mean, there's certainly an aspect at a predominantly white university to make people see images that perhaps make them uncomfortable or that they would rather ignore. But what is that like when you're taking photographs of those diverse students who feel that they are the ones being ignored? Do you think you're giving them some power back in a way? And what has the feedback been like for that to give them a moment where it's them and they're the spotlight and they're the ones being noticed? I definitely think so. Um, you know, I get an essence of power from looking at their photos and looking mm. at their words. I hope that's the message that is conveyed to other people on campus. And, you know, I just really think it's awesome when um, groups that really go underappreciated see now that they are, you know, mm -hmm. they are they are out there. People are listening to their stories, and I think that's, you know, that that's just an amazing feeling. Clearly, after all the conversation that we've had so far, you are a student leader on campus, and you're heavily involved in student activities here. We have to bring it up. QU yeah. recently made a decision to charge any non-residential student on campus a parking fee starting in the fall of 2021. Mm -hmm. And you clearly spoke out about this on your social media. So as a commuter student yourself, but also a huge part on campus, why was this so important for you to speak out? So personally, just, you know, already tuition is already a lot for college. And I know a lot of people are struggling with student loans, such as myself. So I think this is just another unnecessary fee that Quinnipiac is implementing because the school is broke. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I said this on social media. I would have wished they would have just told us that, hey, you know, we're broke instead mm. of just saying, oh, this is for this or this is for student experience. But yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, a lot of commuters such as myself commute because it is cheaper. Um, living on campus is just not an option for us. And mm. so a lot of commuters go through, you know, different situations. And, mm. you know, we're the demographic on campus uh, that generally are lower income, uh, people of color, for um, first generation college students, immigrants, mm. um, you name it. And, you know, the school chose to you know, battle us instead of facing issues that they should be focusing on, like hate crimes towards LGBTQ students or mm -hmm. diversifying 
classroom curriculum and and, you know I really think it's just absurd that this is the battle they chose to fight. (laughs) Yeah Yeah. and so as we've been talking about you've spent a lot of time and effort and dedication standing behind the camera and making sure to recognize people on campus that are overlooked. I mean you talk about student groups that are underappreciated. How does it feel to step out behind the camera and be part of that group and call on others to be giving you some recognition and support? listening to students who have similar experiences as me just gives me comfort because you know there's points in times where you know at least for me when I go to this campus is that you know I feel like the bursar's office is always just like give me your money give me your money (laughs) financial aid office is not going to do anything to help me you know I just feel like the weight of the world's on my shoulders but I realized you know when I went and talked with these group of commuters and these group of uh, student leaders that you know we're all going through the same thing Mm -hmm. and you know I, I just think that our situation and many student situation on campus is just really unfair. So you have these conversations with student leaders and you're actively speaking out yourself, but what about other students that want to get involved? How can they go along the lines of being a part of the conversation themselves? Oh, I mean, we're not, we're not shy on social media, so (laughs) we're a very welcoming group of people and, um, you know, same for photography, same for anything else. If you need, um, any help, if, uh, you want to voice your opinion, just reach out to us. Um, and, you know, use your voice and use your platform. Um, there's a bunch of kings and queens out there. Uh, you, guys have <laughs> your, your, uh, you guys have your voice and make sure it is heard. But, um, you know, we are, we're, you know, we're never going to strike down anybody's um, questions or, you know, how they can help. We're, we're always going to welcome everybody. Absolutely. And so you've built your platform as we've been talking about being the photographer that's appreciating these underappreciated groups and these unrecognized and unnoticed groups. And I think that I speak for Nicole and I and really our whole campus that it's really incredible to see your growth, to be able to step out behind the camera um, and really take a leadership stance in this and talk and write and create this whole new platform for yourself. And I think we're just so excited to see where that goes for you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for being on this podcast today. We're so excited for all the work that you've done and we'll continue to do like Skylar just said. A bobcat to look out for. A bobcat to look out for. So we thank you so much for being here again today. Also would like to shout out all of our listeners. We appreciate you. We absolutely are so grateful for all your support. Be sure to check Check us out on our socials. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Woke Giants QU. Previous podcasts can be listened to on any platform as well as embedded within our website. So make sure to take a peek at that as well. We're hoping you'll be tuning in to our next episode to hear yet from another Bobcat and their amazing story here on campus. But until then, you know what we always say. While the Giants may be sleeping across the street, Giants are waking up everywhere here at Quinnipiac.